Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. But no worries. Oh, okay. No worries. That's I just fine. Used- yeah, yeah, I'll just use this one because it seems to... Are you at the barbershop? Yeah? Some... yeah, I'm just getting some stuff done on my face. So yeah. I didn't calculate oh, the time, all right? So okay. now I'm stuck this on my face and I have to be on your podcast. So that's fine, man. Don't I hope be... that's okay. It's all good. I think it's befitting to the times, isn't it? It seems like there's um, there's a lot going on. So <laughs> it's, it's a part of the warrior outfit, isn't it? Yeah. Least... Yeah. How are you in here? <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm good. I'm I'm actually good. I'm yeah. okay. Whereabouts are you based? Are you are you in Lagos? No, I'm in the capital. I'm in Abuja. Oh, you're in Abuja. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's that's where it's happening. I was meant to come to Lagos for the first time um last year Christmas, but my boys decided to come oh, and meet me in Ghana instead. So they they they, they <laughs> flopped Lagos. It was, it was it was it was nasty last year. You know, it was really it was really crazy. There was just so much happening. Would have been yeah. fun if you had made it out here. Oh, and man. this year would have been. This year would have been even more fun, but then the pandemic hit and yeah. now everybody's stuck in though, you know? Oh, uh, no, definitely. Because the thing is, so I was in Ghana and uh, most of my friends are Nigerians, by the way, funny enough. Um, and all of them were in Nigeria, but they said they were enjoying my snap so much that I shouldn't come to Nigeria, that they're going to come to Ghana. <laughs> yeah, so appreciate you coming on, really appreciate that. So if you just let my viewers know who you are and what it is that you do and some of the work that you're engaged in. Okay, uh, so my name is Chika and I'm a radio broadcaster here. I work for uh, Nigeria's biggest urban station. I like to put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, also big on TV as well. That's why I have to make sure my face is looking good all the time. Yeah, you have to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have, I also have a podcast as well. I'll share that with you right after. Oh, amazing! This. I'll share the tags of all your socials anyway. All right. Yeah, I'll share that with you. And I'm just, you know, really big on having discussions that move Nigeria forward. And as a young person living in Nigeria, it's it's a conversation that you must be a part of if you must if you must affect change. You know, um, young people are about young people under 35 make up about 60 percent of Nigeria's population. Wow. You know, for for a population that's really young. We have way too many old people in power calling shots, right? And now young people are saying that can't be the same anymore. We need to change it. We need to we need to move different. And you know, just with every other country in Africa, the stories are the same. You know, there's poor infrastructure, there's bad governance, you know, everything that is bad is really bad. And everything that can be good is really fucked up, you know. So um we're now saying we don't want this, you know, but the first thing we are going to start with is making sure that we're alive. There's, there's way too many indiscriminate police killings. Mm. It's gone on for far too long. 
And it looks like it is state sanctioned because the state's not doing anything about it, you know? Yeah. The government's not doing anything about it. And to be honest, this is just the biggest it's been. Before now, it's just been uh, pockets of protest here and there. Um, and then the government comes out and says, hey, we'll do this. And then when the whole thing quiets down, they don't do anything, you know? Mm. We've seen that happen over and over and over again. Yeah. And now we're seeing we just can't continue with that. Most definitely. And um, can, you, can you give us a bit of context, like a bit of background as to like how the whole movement started in SARS? Because I actually heard about it very vaguely a couple of years back, but it didn't have as big of a momentum as, it, as it, the current movement had. So where does the NSARS um, hashtag and movement begin for you? I can't really say that there is a point mm. where the movement started from, but over time, people have shared stories of police brutality, mm. right? And what we're seeing now is just everything that people collectively feel, but amplified by social media, yeah. you know? So because now we're in a more we're, we're now more connected than ever, you're able to hear more stories, you're able to see um, a different reality, you're seeing a different perspective, but it's still the same underlying problem of police brutality. So I can't specifically say when this movement for you know ending SARS started, yeah. but what I can tell you now is that it's louder because we have social media. Social media yeah. the, the thing about um, social media is um, it, it's like a, a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with social media. There's the issue that it has on like um, mental health and in particular women's bodies and stuff. But then on the other yeah. side of it, when it comes to like political movement and galvanizing people, it's a massive part in helping um, revolutionary movements and such as you've witnessed in America with um, the Black Lives Matter movements and all of the issues that they're having with law enforcement. Um, so my first, my first kind of contact with the whole NSARS movement was, um, I think someone sent me a video clip of a young man who got shot outside of a hotel. Um, I think it was, what's it called? The Wetland Hotel. I'm not sure where that was in, whether that's Lagos or Abuja that, that was in. Um, I, I don't know either. Could be anywhere, really. Yeah, it could be anywhere, because I know that there's several videos like that. But um, in, ter in terms of this movement in particular, how is it being organized? Is it, is it like a central focus, or is just various people expressing their disdain of what's going on? Um, so we, it's not central, you know, it's, uh, it's people organizing their own pockets of protest everywhere, you know, um, but you are seeing a lot of, you're seeing a lot of activities coming from the mega cities like Lagos, Abuja, Port Harcourt, because obviously these are more metropolitan cities and there's more access to the internet for people in those areas. Um, a bulk of Nigeria's commercial activities happen in these cities, right? Uh, Port Harcourt is where all the oil comes from. Abuja is obviously the seat of power. Um, Lagos is West Africa's commercial powerhouse. So being the mega cities that they are, you are definitely going to see activities related to the protests more amplified from those areas. Um, but you see, the thing is that because we all have, because we all have, um, varying degrees of experiences with the Nigeria police. Um, it's difficult to get everybody to come to one place. So everyone's doing it where they are. And I think that's the beauty of it. 
Because usually here in the country, when there is a protest like this, the government is used to, you know, isolating the leaders mm. from the group into a closed-door meeting, yeah. reach some sort of negotiation, uh, reach some sort of agreement with them after negotiating for God knows how long. Mm. And then the leaders come out and tell the people, oh, this is the agreement we've reached. Now, it doesn't matter if the people agree with that or not. You've agreed, someone has agreed on your behalf with the government. And now if you continue to protest, the government can then come in and, you know, do whatever they want to do because according to them, we have reached an agreement with you. They assume that whoever they negotiated with spoke on your behalf. So if you're oppressed, then take that up with the person who negotiated on your behalf. And I mean, that's the way it's been, you know, uh, but now this new generation's, uh, this new generation is saying that they don't want that. We don't want the leader. Everyone is perfectly capable of speaking for themselves. Now, there's some merits to that and some demerits, uh, but at the moment, everyone's just aggrieved. We don't have time to uh, come together and appoint a leader, Yeah. you know. Uh, what, what we're asking for is not something that requires a leader to be implemented. What we're asking for is something that requires the government to take action and not ask for a leader. It's not, I'm not going to negotiate human lives with you, right? Yeah, most definitely. Like, I'm not going to say, don't kill 10, kill five. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm saying, don't kill anybody. What's there yeah. to negotiate? Yeah. I'm saying, don't profile me when I'm out in the streets. What's mm. there to negotiate? Yeah. I'm saying, police officers, should be walking in my neighborhood with assault style rifle as if I live in a war zone. What's mm. there to negotiate? Yeah. These are basic human rights if, violations, isn't it? Do you, do you get me? I'm mm. saying if police, if, if a police officer um, does something wrong, I'm saying punish them appropriately. Yeah. What's there to negotiate? So the government asking for um, people to come through and you know come to the negotiation table. Sounds to me like the government's not wanting to do the right thing because, mm. again, human rights are not negotiable. Definitely not. Yeah. I think they, they agreed upon, like, naturally, human rights is, is, is what it says on the tin, in essence. But what, what is the um, overall demands that are being asked for by the, by the general population? Besides, obviously, some of the stuff that we discussed now, like just your basic human rights, what are some of the um, listed out demands? Okay, so... Um, we're asking for adequate compensation of victims of police brutality. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, we have stories for days. Yeah, I've come across... Have as many, we have as many stories of police brutality as there are many videos on YouTube, maybe. I don't know. But I'm sure every night... I have my own police experience. Yeah, You know, everybody has their own police experience. It's a country of almost 200 million people. Wow. Even... I don't know, maybe sometimes even the politicians and their aides have their own police experience, you know. Mm. Uh, so we're asking for, I mean, people have lost their lives. People yeah. have lost limbs. People are, have been disabled. Um, there was this story of a girl far back in 97 or so, back in 97. She was coming back from school with her friends. Um, the police were involved in the hot pursuits with some armed robbers. Mm. And then the police started shooting a straight bullet hit the girl on her spinal cord. Wow. And today she's on a wheelchair. Yeah. She never got compensated for that since 1997. And I'm sure they didn't cover the hospital like, fees either. 
No, they did. I mean, like they went there. According to her story, the police would come to the hospital and threaten her family, See? not to say that she was shot by the police. Yeah, she threatened the family, and this story really just came out to the public in 2020. Wow, that's almost 23 years later. Yeah, and you, you can imagine how many more stories like that have been buried. Oh, definitely, you know, all, you can imagine how many fo- how many families have decided to move on, mm. and the ones that have, you know, they've had to act like nothing ever happened. Yeah, Most you know, definitely. like the ones that try to act like they never lost a family member. Mm. The ones really... that try to act like the family member never existed. Yeah. So we're asking adequate compensation for victims of police brutality. Mm-hmm. We're asking for them to increase the pay for police yeah. officers because you can't underpay people. Um, you can't overwork them mm. and still give them guns. Yeah. That's a recipe disaster. Yeah. They, they're going right? to take their so own like financial issues into their own hands. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, like, if 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 anybody who's frustrated is with a gun, whatever they are going to do with that gun is anybody's guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things we're asking for: uh, proper remuneration for police officers. Um, we're also asking for them to set up a panel to investigate police misconduct. Right. Set up a panel to investigate police misconduct. This be an independent panel, though, because you wouldn't want the police to have their own panel. panel. Exactly. Yeah. Set up, you know, uh, we're asking for them to, um, what's the four for now? We're asking for them to end SARS as a police unit, mm. end it, not reform, not rebrand, mm-hmm. end it. And by ending it, we mean take back their guns. Yeah. Take, I mean, if I tell, if I, if I have a, if I have a driver, if I have a driver and I say your services are no longer needed here, mm-hmm. I don't leave my car keys with them, do I? Yeah, you take the car. Yeah. I take the cars from them because I don't need your service anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we're saying we don't need these SARS officers anymore, we expect that you take their guns back from them. Yeah. I don't need the Yemen. Is that something they're not doing? You know? That, that's what well that's one of the demands and we're not seeing that happening um and we're also saying all police officers found guilty of misconduct should be punished according to the extent of their offenses yeah that's only right so i want to see i want to see life in prison for those who have taken lives mm-hmm. i want to see dismissal for those who have aided bribes or collected bribes i want to see action yeah you know it's, I don't want to hear you say I will do it. I want to see you do it. Yeah, that's why, and that's why Nigerians are still out there in the streets. Yeah, because I, I saw a um, I saw a um, an article whereby the government had um, released a statement or they they delivered a, a speech whereby they they agreed to the terms and conditions, but the protest still continued. So, what what was the follow up protest about, and how comes um, those terms that they agreed to wasn't kind of um like accepted? <laughs> One word, trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust. That's a big word. Yeah, over and over. Look, I'm 27 mm. and I've lost count of the number of times the government has said something and didn't do it. Yeah, I've lost. You can imagine people who are 40, people who are 50. You can imagine how many times the government has said, I will do something and never did it. Yeah. And we've had enough of those. We've had enough of you saying you would do something 
are not doing it. The government needs to build trust with its people. And that's where the fundamental problem is. Yeah. We have seen you tell our fathers, we are going to give you better pay. Mm-hmm. We are going to improve in the social development programs. Mm-hmm. We are going to work hard to stamp out corruption. But it's like every government gets worse than the previous. Yeah. So now we're saying we're not going to stop with this protest until you start working. Because we've heard you over and over say you will do something and don't do it. So when you start doing some work, we would start we'll start talking about leaving the protest grounds. Yeah. But until then, we're holding out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I was born in Ghana myself, so I, and I go there all the time. So I know I know governments and their promises. If forever infrastructure is going to be promised. In Ghana recently, we had um, the year of the roads. So that was the year that they were yeah. supposed to have fixed all the roads. But as you know, in Africa, promises are made, contracts are given out to friends, money is um, embezzled, and nothing really ever gets done. And I think one of the things that... Um, um, the African youth are starting to realize is that like relative poverty is actually the biggest like hurdle and that's what causes most violence so if you if you look into psychology people think it's poverty that causes violence it's actually relative poverty and when you look at Africa it's, it's a, the way that Africa is structured you see so much relative poverty like you can have a mansion and then all around you your neighbors can't even fi- find bread to eat in the morning and that's a major that- issue because if you don't have infrastructures in place for people to be able to transition between classes and to be able to go from rags to riches, not smoothly as nothing is ever smooth, but for there to be a pathway, then you're never really ever going to have peace in the system. And that's one of the problems I find. The relative poverty in Africa is crazy. Like I'll go and visit relatives yeah. and it's like they'll have a massive house with 10 people working there and everyone around them is completely poor. And I think it comes down to bad governance. It definitely does because the money's not being filtered through properly. It's not being, it's not being managed well enough. And that's where the change is required because it's the same people that are being tasked with the management of the people. It's the same governing um, individuals. And that's what needs to be broken. That, that whole structure needs to be a bit more democratic. It needs to be a bit more fair and open. So what, what is the demand for that in order for there to be like a cleaner system? Yeah, you know, this is, I mean, this is really the first step, right? Mm. This is really the first step. I mean, I have to be alive to enjoy good governance, right? Most definitely. I have to be alive to go to a good school. Mm. So the first step is don't kill me, you know? And when this is sorted out, when this is sorted out, it would naturally, you know, it would naturally lead to the next thing. Yeah. And now people, because now the people already, you know, know their power. The people already know that they are able to ask for something and get it. Mm. You know, the people know that they don't have to, they don't, they don't have to wait for you to do it at your convenience. You do it at our convenience because you are working for us. Yes. Yeah. You are our staff. We pay you. So you do that work at our convenience, not at your convenience. So now when we learn, when, 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 if, when we finally get this, cause I'm very positive. So I'm not going to say if I'm very positive that we're going to get this yeah. when we'll get this, it would naturally lead us to the next phase of the conversation, mm. which would be addressing the governance issues that we have as a country. Yeah. What what are they? What are your thoughts on um your your current president Buhari? Because um I know there's a lot of talk online right now about taking him um, off his perch as well. I haven't really been following his policies, if I'm honest with you. But yeah. um, what what are your thoughts and what is it that's happening in regards to his um 
his his presidency and how he's managing the country? Um, I don't, you know, first of all, he's a democratically elected president. So I'm not going to sit down here and tell you that I want him to live there. You know, mm. he lives there when the people decide that they want him to live. You know, um, it's his, it's his sixth year now in power. He's got two more years or three, I think. The elections were last year. He ran for a second term last year. So, yeah, um, his fifth year now. He's going to be there till 2023, you know. Uh, do I think that we deserve better than that? Yes. Do I think that we can do better than that? Yes. But that's all we have now. And we're going to have to make do with it because we, majority of the people voted to have him in power and that's why he's there. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like he's doing it to the best of his abilities. You know, um, the world has shifted. The world is in, I feel like the world advanced more in the last 15 years yeah. than it did in the last, than it did between 2000, between say 91 and 2005 combined. Yeah. yeah. I think the world advanced more between 2005 and 2020 than all the other years combined. It was like everything just changed overnight, you know, like you just went to bed one morning and you went to bed one night, woke up the next morning and boom. In a different world. It was 4G, mm. you know? A couple of weeks later, I was like, nah, 4G is slow. Mm. And 4G is hella fast. <laughs> but now it's like 5G. Yeah. You know, it's like 5G. And, and you know, you went you went to work one morning and you, you were saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to buy a car next. And then the next morning you go out the house and someone's asking you, wow, you still buy fuel? You don't charge your car? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like everything just changed overnight, and I don't think he quite caught up with the change. Yeah. I think the world moved on faster than he did. So, um, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Eventually, in the future, when we go to the polls again, we're gonna have to vote in somebody who is who is able to keep up with the time. Yeah, that, that's Someone that's really important. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Someone who's not left behind. Yeah. I don't feel. I don't feel like he's. I, I don't feel like he's a twenty first century leader for me. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot of the leadership across the world, you realize that um, a lot of them are not twenty first century leaders because, as you as you just rightfully so mentioned about how rapidly the world has changed. I mean, I was doing some reading recently, and I realized that even just hundred years ago, we were still riding horses, doing World War One and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. we're not, now we're in a completely di different um, playing field, and. We, we need to probably start grooming more leaders within our generation that truly understands yeah. our needs and, and the type yeah. of world that we see. And there's a lot happening in this world in terms of like the protests in America and stuff that I necessarily don't agree with. But I think one of the things that I find um, quite warming is that there's a high level of empathy amongst young people now. There's a high yes. level of empathy, but we also need to probably understand how the world works as a as a functioning system to make it fairer and more balanced for all. Um, so it is, I, I was watching a video clip. I thought I'll ask you about it because you're on the ground. It's about it's about the prisoners um, that are being released or escaping from various prisons across West Africa. I know I know there's some in Benin and then also some in Nigeria. What's the story behind that? Are all of them protesters, or is it a case of um, prisoners taking advantage of the current situation? Okay, so um, quick correction. Mm. Uh, the video you saw is in Benin. Yes, Benin. That's yeah. in Nigeria. Oh, okay. It's not to be confused with Benin, yeah. the African country. Oh, that's I see. 
they're pronounced differently. Yeah. Okay. So the, the other country that we share borders with mm-hmm. is pronounced the Republic of Benin. Yeah. But it's spelled like Benin. Benin, yeah. Okay? Yeah. So that's in Nigeria, actually. Um, it's in a place called Edo States. It's in the mm-hmm. southwest of the country. Um, I think about five hours from Lagos. Yeah. That's where I went to school, by the way. That's where I uh, had my university education in Benin, oh. at the University of Benin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, I don't know, it's just Nigeria being Nigeria, you know. I can't explain to you how that happened because I'm not there. Uh, but I know that prison mm. and I know that it's really close to the Edo State Government's house. It's yeah. close to the governor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really close to the area, the police force area command, right? It's mm-hmm. close to the headquarters of the police force. Um, it's about it's about five minutes drive from there, from the police headquarters to the prison, and you probably will have to be going at forty kilometers per hour to spend mm-hmm. five minutes on that trip. So it could be less in case of an emergency, and you're going at hundred. You could spend three minutes stops. Okay. Um. But then again, I don't know who's responsible for setting the prisoners free. So I'm not going to speak on that. Yeah, fair enough. But I do know that it was not the NSAS protesters. It was not the people who were asking for, the people who were legitimately asking for the police to do away with the SARS units. Yeah. I don't know who else is responsible for that. I don't know how it happened. But just like the governors, the deputy governor said, it wasn't the NSAS protester. So um, I hope they launch an investigation into the jailbreak and how it happened. Yeah. And the findings are out. So I'm sure it will be made public. You would hear of it. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that, actually, because what, what tends to happen is when news trickles through, as you know, it's like Chinese whispers. So by the time it yeah. reaches the end user, it's been completely mismanaged. Else entirely. Yeah. yeah. And because and I'm heavily involved in a lot of discussion, that people are constantly bombarding me with stuff. So even me as well, sometimes before I'm able to fact check something, I've already been been given a perception of what something is. And that's why I like discussing it directly with people on the ground. Um, yeah. One thing else that um, I want to touch on is, so what's been the impact of like the celebrity input in all of this? So from the Nigerian celebrities and the outside, because we all know how celebrities like to jump on these things when they do happen. Some have positive impacts, others use it for their own self um, promotional gains and so forth. What's been the take on the um, celebrity contribution? Honestly, I, I don't care what your motivation is. I don't care if you're dead to promote yourself mm. or if you're dead to legitimately, wholeheartedly help with the cause, right? What I care about is you saying something, yeah. you know? So if a Kanye West with his over 25 million followers says something, mm. that's 25 million more people around the world seeing what's happening here, yeah. you know? Yeah. That puts the pressure on the government. I don't care if Kanye West is doing it because he wants to be seen as the good guy. Mm. If Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, says something about it and urges people around the world to donate, that's a very influential Silicon Valley figure. Mm. If he gets the guys at Silicon Valley to open up their wallets and contribute to the protesters, you know, to help them, you know, stay out there for as long as possible. I don't care why he's doing it. As long as, you know, what needs to be done is done. Because in the end, humans are inherently selfish and we're constantly fighting our selfish self. You know, we're we're constantly fighting our selfish uh, 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 
our selfish innings, you know, we're constantly fighting it. We're inherently selfish. We learn to be good people. We learn to be selfless, mm -hmm. you know? So some people are going to attain some a high level of selflessness faster than some people. Some people may never attain that level and that's okay. We're all different. But what matters is that in the end, you try as much as you can to be human enough for the next person. So if you're doing it so that the world claps for you or the world sees you as a savior, I don't care. Just be human, really. Yeah, that's, that's wonderfully said. Um, I think um, one of the things I realized about hu human beings in general is that like, to us, I think two, two things are very fundamental to humans. One is survival and then one is resources. So yeah. we're constantly, we're, we're trying to survive and then we're trying to gather as much resources as possible. And it has a way of playing out in various sectors. So when you have politicians doing what they're doing, they're constantly being selfish and gathering for themselves and not forgetting about those around them. But the issue with that is the more you forget about those outside of your gates, those outside of your gates will eventually break down your gates and come into your home exactly. at some point. Exactly. Um, but what's been the input from other African nations? Because I'm 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 heavily on um, like various sort of like networks, and I haven't really seen much from other nations. I don't know if you you're feeling um, the support of, for the movement across um, the continent. Um, to be honest, I haven't really seen other African countries take a stand in this in in, in this whole movement. And you can understand why Nigeria is easily the largest economy in Africa. We're a bully, you know, so I'm sure every other person is trying not to go against yeah. the quote-unquote giant of Africa, you know. You know, like everyone's just playing it safe, really. Mm. Plus, to be honest, they all have issues of their own. So I'm not going to I'm not going to ask anybody to speak up for me. Um Guinea, the Republic of uh, uh, the Republic of Guinea is in the middle of an election. Yeah. Um, Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo is going through a genocide at the moment because of yes. cobots. Yes. You know, um, South Africa is battling the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's just so much going on across the continent. Everyone's got problems of their own, really. I don't, I don't care if any president of another country is speaking up or not, because mm. in the end, they all go to the African Union and laugh. And shake hands. They're yeah. all friends. Yeah. You know, like they're all friends. If anyone's trying to, if anyone's trying to seek election into power or seek re-election, they reach out to the Nigerian government in some way. You know, so everyone, I, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of African leaders owe the Nigerian government favors in one way or another. So everyone's just going to keep quiet. Yeah. You know, you don't sort of, sort of like you don't bite the fingers to fed you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very true. And um, I think also one of the issues as well now, because we're going through like the global pandemic, it's, it's so much, everyone's being hit economically. Everyone, everyone's health um, services are like, are, are suffering at the moment. But um, as you said, there's, there's something unique about Nigeria and um, Nigerians in general. Like I hang around with a lot of Nigerians. Most of my friends are Nigerians. And even as Nelson Mandela said as well, which everyone's re-quoting about like Africa won't get respected until Nigeria earns that respect. And um, I'm really praying and hoping that this movement is, is sort of like the spark for change and um, it, it ricochets and it kind of trickles through to the rest of Africa. And it makes me really proud of like the young, Nigerians that are like partaking in this and are really stepping forward like yourself. Yeah, I, I am. I'm I hope it happens to be honest. Mm. I, I hope it, it it happens. You know, 
um, even if, if I wanted to live elsewhere, if I wanted to live anywhere else in the world, I want to live elsewhere in the world because I like living there mm. and not because I can't live in my country. Yeah. You know, um, even if, if an, an Australian living in the USA would get more respect than a Nigerian or a Ghanaian living in the USA because Australia is a properly functioning country. Mm. You can't say the same for Nigeria or Ghana or any other, you know, smaller developing country, mm. you know. So they tend to treat us different, yeah. right? Um, I've, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how often it happens that somebody from Sweden or Finland or the Netherlands or even the UK where you live gets maltreated in any other country where they live. Mm. Because I'm coming from an equally functioning country. I'm only here because I like it here. You know, yeah. say I like the culture here, or I found love here, or I got a job here. Mm. Most most people from Africa who live outside of Africa are economic migrants. Yeah. We're living because the iron has many economic opportunities back home. We're living in search of a better life. Most people from developed countries who are living elsewhere are doing that because they want to. You know, not because they don't have a choice. So I really want Nigeria to get that respect yeah. because it has this domino effect across the continent, mm-hmm. you know. And then Ghanaians see that, hey, our lives can be better. And the Beninoans see that their lives can be better. And then the Togolese and the Congolese and the Zambians and the Kenyans and, you know, the South Africans, the Ethiopians, everybody sees that they can actually do this and get it right. Yeah. You know, and until we, like Mandela said, get that respect that we truly deserve, a lot of things will not really happen for us on the the continent. Yeah, and the the thing is, when you look at Africa as well, and you realize there's riches in like resources and natural minerals and absolutely everything that's being used by the West to propel itself, it, it kind of makes you sad to think that, at what point do we lose all of this? Obviously, we know his, if you study history, you know what happened. But it's like, how yeah. do we, how do we gain some of that power back? How do we gain some of those resources back? How do we manage it better? How do we, how do we use it to improve the lives of our, ourselves and our people and the continent as a whole? I feel like, I mean, I, I do know for us in Nigeria, um, we have to deal with the system of governance that's that promotes patronage because that's why we're here today. Everybody's, you know, everybody thinks that someday it's going to be me up there. Mm. It's going to be me up there and I'm going to loot as much as is available for me to yes. do. Yeah. So before I get there, I'm going to show my loyalty to the person that's there. Mm. You know, I'm going to show my loyalty as much as I can to the person that's there so that when they're leaving, they can put me in there and then I'm going to loot as much as I can mm. and, you know, find out one of those guys who are after me, who are loyal to me as well. So that when I leave, I will put them there. We need to break that system. Mm. And because the political, the, the, the ruling class understands the power that comes with, you know, that's patronage system. They tend to keep everyone at a certain level. Yeah. They make sure that you don't rise above that level because the moment you know better, you want better mm-hmm. and they're not willing to give you better, yeah. you know? 
So we, and, and I feel like the first thing, the first step to breaking that system of patronage is investing in education. A lot more people have to go to school. Mm-hmm. People need to go to school. People need to learn what's, what's right. People need to learn what's due them. People need, because I would not know what I'm worth, you know, or if I, I would not know what to ask for if I don't know what I'm worth. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have to know that this is, this is the value that I can command mm-hmm. in this space. And then I would go into that space and ask for what I think I deserve. Yeah. And the one way that I can do that is to educate myself, mm-hmm. you know? So when we start investing a lot more in education, things would rapidly change. We have more Nigerians graduating from school across the world yeah. now more than ever. Yeah. And you're doing you better know? than a lot of other um, immigrants. And, great. And, and, uh, I, and, and we need to see more of that happening. You know, we need to see more of that happening. And then when we, when we continue to have, you know, this mass shift in the number of educated people, right? We can then start to see, because this would never, this, this is what we're seeing now is, you know, largely spurned by Nigerians just going to school and knowing that they deserve better. Nigerians going to Oxford University and seeing how a university is run. Mm. You know, Nigerians going to MIT, going to Harvard, going to Yale and seeing what a proper university should be like. Nigerians going abroad and, you know, getting involved in an accident and having, res- you know, emergency response come to their aid yeah. and just seeing what a healthcare system should be like. Nigerians going to the airports uh, anywhere in the world and see what a proper infrastructure for transportation should be like. And then coming back home and seeing something different and just saying, oh, look, I can't do this. Because let's be honest, there are 200 million people here. We can't all live outside of Nigeria. Yeah. We can't all live outside Nigeria, you know? We have to make this place work. And having seen how it works in other parts of the world, I feel like, you know, we can make this work at home too. So what's the first step to getting this to work? And I feel like that's where we are now. Yeah. Most definitely. That's that's beautifully put in regards to like education and um, the the thing about Africa as well. Because I go back so regularly, I know how beautiful Africa is, and I know how 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 so much better it can be. Because I'm always upset when I have to come back to the UK. I feel more at home when I'm in Ghana than I am when I'm in the UK. Like I feel more at peace. But that's because maybe I have the I have the privilege of having funds to be able to maneuver in a particular type of way. But I know I, I know majority of people don't. And there needs to be that that system whereby people are demanding better, people are being educated so that they can create better, they can be more innovative and create a better home for themselves and not having to um, migrate because they can't find work, basic work on a day-to-day basis. Um, What would you you say, what's next now? Like, what's next for Nigeria, this particular movement? Like, what what, what do you think would be the next steps? I don't know. I don't know. I just... If if any if 2020 has taught me anything, it's to live in the present. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Be honest, <'cause> <laughs> for <laughs> real. Yeah. I made I made hell of plans for 2020, but look at me. Yo, so I'm just I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's next, really. Mm. I just know that we need to get this done, and we are nowhere close to getting it done. So when we get this done, 
uh, whatever is next would naturally come up. Yeah. So all I'm just going to say is that whatever is coming up next, I'm open to it. Yeah. As long as we get this out of the way, whatever happens next, I'm open to it. Because the truth is, it can only get better from here. Mm-hmm. If we get this done, if we fix this, it can only get better. Yeah. And I'll take it. I'll take it, whatever comes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm super proud of the Nigerian youth and Africans in general and everything that you guys are doing over there. And obviously on my end here, I'm continuously having discussions with my friends and stuff. And even though we're not on the ground, we're, we're like, we're, we're supporting in all sorts of ways. All my friends were at the London protests um, just the other day. I wasn't able to make it. And I just really hope that the movement doesn't get hijacked. It doesn't get sold for cheaper than what it's actually worth. And the momentum continues and people stick to what the actual agenda is. And that's for true change, not just shift from one corrupt system to another another corrupt system which tends to happen yeah. with humans and i just hope everyone yeah. sticks to that agenda and and takes it forward yes. and the rest of africa takes note of what is that's going on yeah, yeah so beyond and, and that's that's really important that's a conversation that we're also having so uh i'm, I'm assuming you got two. did you get a call yeah i got a call yeah it happens yeah, it happens on Zoom. <laughs> so um like i was saying beyond um Beyond the NSARS protests, mm. there's also this massive civic education going on, you know, especially in the underserved communities and the, the rural areas. We're trying to, and those people who really just don't, you know, understand why this is important, right? Uh, there's this massive civic education going on. You know, we're using WhatsApp to send broadcast messages mm. to let people understand that this is why we are out protesting. You know, so you just don't, so people don't think that we're trying to overthrow the government so that people who are, people who, you know, feel like there is some political undertone, mischief makers don't send the wrong message to these people first. Yeah. So we want to get to them first. Let them understand that this is why we are protesting. And going forward, we're also going to let them understand why they need to vote, why they need to um, votes in a certain way, what they need to look out for before casting the vote for anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and what they need to do to protect their votes. And if they ever feel like their rights have been violated, these are the steps that they can take to get that addressed, you know. So we are getting all of that done as much as we can yeah. because, again, like I said, education is the one way out of this, you know. So uh, the more people we can get educated on this subject matter, the better for the movement. Yeah, most definitely. I appreciate that. And um, before I let you go, I know you wanna you're you're doing your your beauty treatment, so I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, <laughs> it's cool. What, what what do you have coming up in terms of like works that you're doing, like um, some of your professional work, your radio work, your your podcast work, things that you want people to um, keep an eye out for. So I haven't I, I haven't been uh, I haven't been on the podcast for a while. Yeah. You know I don't I just got busy, yeah, but I decided to. Um, me and my friend, I'm going to share the link with you later on. Yeah, and we'll also discuss on this SARS protest. So maybe when you listen, you might get context on, you know, some of the issues yeah. that would help you understand what's happening here exactly. Um, so I'm really just focusing on putting that out there. But other than that, yeah, you can catch me on the morning show at 6 to 11 on the BTF in Abuja. That's it. Yeah, appreciate that. And and also, um, is is there like a um, a, a fundraising um, organization that you would recommend to the people? Because I'm sure there, there's uh, some funds yes. being raised. Like something that you can verify is is a good source. Yes, yeah. of course. So um, you can you can check out um, at feminist underscore co. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You, on you Twitter. To all of this as well, right? Yeah. I will send you the link to that. So they're pretty much uh, sending, you know, uh, food, ambulance, um, drugs, mm-hmm. help, legal services, you know, to protesters who get arrested, we get them lawyers. Um, so those staying out there, we get them food, water. If anyone's injured, we get them an ambulance, you know, just try as much as we can to look out for everybody. So um, at the moment, the central bank has shut down our bank account. So um, all transactions are pretty much going on via cryptocurrency. Why did, why did they shut that down? Well, uh, look, I don't know, but hey, it's, it's well politics, with the country right? that we're in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're going to find the crypto address so you can send us Bitcoin and that's how we're, trans- we're working. Now, again, we need leaders for the 21st centuries because these guys can't keep up with this. Yeah. They can't. Yeah. They can't. So uh, I say, I'll share the link with you at feminist underscore CO. They need to, they need to the movement via Bitcoin and uh Hopefully, all of this yields positive results. Okay, that's amazing. Um, well, Chica, I'm going to leave you today. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And hopefully, I can hit you up again once I get more context to the whole idea and the movement and everything that's happening. And we can have further discussions on this and obviously do our right, bit. Sure. Um, I'm definitely going to donate to the links that you send and I'm going to pass on to all my friends. And also, I have various friends in Nigeria as well who are on the ground right now. I've got doctors, yeah. like all sorts of yeah. people out there who are actively on the ground. So, but they've been really busy. So, I haven't really had a chance to speak to them at the moment, especially with COVID right. and everything happening. But uh, any resource that I have i'm definitely going to share that as well and um, likewise i'll definitely love to catch up with you another time so appreciate you thank you for coming on let's do humans podcast and share give me a bit of your time even though you're extremely busy as i can see there (laughs) (laughs) that's fine that's fine cheers have a good one all right you too yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna contact you later on on